wrap up our sermon series called The New Hope. And I, I think about that. I think what we just read, you know, it is a period of unrest in the cosmos uh, in, in so many ways, a period of unrest in many of our lives. But I think about us as, as, as kind of this unlikely group of rebels, right? Rebelling against the, the dominions and powers, the spiritual forces of wickedness that, that exist in this world. And, and we're, given, we're given the means to live fully the life that Christ has called us to, to be vessels of redemption. Um, we're going to talk about one of those tools that we are given as a gift to, to reclaim and, and restore hope in this world, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. But today, our, our passage, and I, you know, I don't even need to open this, um, we, we're going to focus on 10 words from Scripture today. We're going to unpack those 10 words. Um, we're going to see what God has to say to us through those 10 words. But our Scripture today, it comes from Psalm 111, uh, verse 10, and the first part of verse 10. And it's these simple 10 words. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We're going to reflect on those words uh, and unpack what that means for us here today. But I invite you to pray with me. God, as we enter into this time, I pray that you would speak to us. God, speak to our hearts. Help us to to know you fully. Uh, God, help us to know the fear of the Lord and to love you. But God, use this time to transform us, to make us new, to make us who you've created us to be. All of this we pray in the name of Jesus the Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. We're going to reflect on these ten words. And it, it may sound strange, a little bit strange, uh, but the fear of the Lord is crucial to us having and reflecting the new hope we have in Jesus Christ. So we're going to unpack that. But as, as, as I've been thinking about fears, uh, we've been talking about fears throughout this sermon series and the hope we are to have in the midst of those fears. Uh, but as I've been thinking about fears, I was thinking about an instance when I was in, uh, in Boy Scouts when I was a teenager, and we were at Boy Scout camp. So I always went to Camp Geiger, which is up uh, north of St. Joe. And uh, we'd, of course, spend our week out there in Boy Scout camp. But some friends of mine and me, we would always go and, and run around the bluffs there at the camp. So the camp is situated on, on the river bluffs above the Missouri River, uh, overlooking Kansas. Very beautiful, kind of pic- picturesque place. But we would always go out and just run around the bluffs, just exploring. It was, it was kind of like a journey. You know, we would go on these, these adventure journeys, just exploring the area. But this one particular time, we were running through you know, up and down uh, the hills. And at one point, I ran, I was, I was running behind a friend of mine, and he ran down in this, this creek ditch, and I ran down after him, and he was headed up the other side. And when I got to the bottom of that creek, I looked up, and it was getting kind of dark, it was kind of dusky and in, in timber, and I, I look up, and directly in front of me, about three, two or three feet away on the, on the other side of the creek bank, was a copperhead, all coiled up. And I, it was just like slow motion. My, my, my friend, I could see his leg as he was climbing up out of the creek, and I saw this copperhead just strike right at his leg. 
And I saw those fangs get caught in his sock. It missed his leg, just got caught in his sock. And, you know, I, I just stopped in my tracks, you know, that fear that just overtook me. And, and the first thing I thought after I realized that my friend actually hadn't been bitten was, nope, I'm done. I'm out. This is it. This, that's it. You know, and, you know, my response in fear was to just split. But my friend's responses in fear was to, you know, dispatch that snake and take care of it, right? But we turned around and we headed back to camp, putting it into our, our little journey through the timber. And the whole way back, you know, my eyes were just glued to the ground, right? Because I knew under every leaf, in, in every little brush patch, there, there was this snake just waiting to, to, to attack me. You know, I, I share that because I think that's it's kind of a, a microcosm for how many of us experience life, even the life of faith. We're going to talk about some of that. But today as we wrap up our sermon series, A New Hope, we're, we're seeking to, to recover and live out the hope that we have in Jesus. And we talked about how hope entails a destination. It entails a goal. It, it entails something to be attained but it's something that we have not yet achieved, we have not yet attained, a destination that we have not yet arrived at. And we, as Christians, we, we understand God to be our ultimate hope. God is our, our ultimate destination. You know, we hope in the restoration of all creation for heaven and earth to be one, to be face to face with our God, dwelling with Him and in His presence forever. But we know Obviously, we have not yet attained this. We have not yet arrived at our goal, so we hope. So this, this state of hope, is, this is our natural state as human beings. Even those who, who do not know God, that is their natural state. It is the gift given them, even those who do not know it. So if we have this goal, this destination, and we haven't yet achieved it or gotten there, then that must mean that we are on the way, right? We are on a journey. So that, that idea of being on the way, that idea of journeying characterizes us. It characterizes our lives as followers of Jesus. We understand our lives to be one big journey towards God's immediate presence and His entire restoration. And that hope can only come from God, given us as a gift. So we journey on in that hope. But if we ever stop, or if we are stopped on that journey, we cease to live into what God has called us to and what we're meant for. And the problem with all that, that is that we all experience challenges. We all experience roadblocks along our journeys. We all experience those snakes and snares of life. Those external factors that either slow us down or stop us in our tracks. And one of the biggest roadblocks that we experience as Jesus followers is fear. We've been, throughout this series, we've been talking about some of those fears we have the fears of violence and failure and suffering, and all these can stop us. All these can distract us from the truth and presence of God. 
But when we allow those fears to overtake us, really what we're doing is, is allowing ourselves to, to fall into a state of sin. Allowing these things you know, to separate us from God, to stop us from journeying on in hope. You know, we aren't trusting. We aren't hoping. And so there's a better way. Scripture tells us there's a, there's a better way. In fact, there is only one fear, one fear that is good and right and proper for us as followers of Jesus, and it's the fear of the Lord. As the psalmist says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That, that can stop us right there and give us pause when we think, what in the world does that mean? How can that even be true? You know, fear and Lord existing in the same sentence seems like a total contradiction. So what is meant by the fear of the Lord? And how could it possibly be something good for us? How could it possibly be something redemptive or virtuous for us? I think about this and, you know, thinking about fear again. When I was a kid, I actually was afraid of God. Maybe, maybe you experienced this. When I was a kid, I was afraid of God to the point where I didn't really know if I liked God, right? God, God kind of seemed like a, a monster or, a, or at, at, at best, a, just kind of a mean-spirited school teacher or schoolmaster or something. I think about, you know, growing up with all of the fear of, of sin and hell, and it almost seemed like I had been taught that Jesus came to save us from God, Right? But in my infantile understanding of God, I thought that if I was good, God would reward me. And if I was bad, God would send me to hell. So I was afraid of God. I was, I was constantly afraid of, of failing, of, of falling short, of doing something wrong, of falling out of God's favor. I thought all of this, though, because I didn't know God fully revealed in Jesus. So when we're talking about the fear of the Lord, this is not what we're talking about. We're not talking about an, kind of an infantile fear of God. Rather, we're talking about the fear that God gives us as a gift of His love. A fear that is there to help keep us from separating ourselves from God through sin. This is the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord, it begins really as a fear of the consequences of sin. And, and we, we can, I think, grasp this. You know, when we, when we experience faith for the first time, when we, we come into contact with God, we're, we first experience conviction, right? We're convicted of the ways that we have strayed from God, the ways that we are distant from God. And then we understand that there are consequences for distancing ourselves from God. So we, we, we can grasp that. But as the psalmist says, this kind of fear, you know, understanding that, that we are far from God, understanding that there are consequences for, for, for separating ourselves from God, this fear is only the beginning of wisdom. It's the starting place. You know, I liken it to someone who, who chooses not to steal something because they fear being arrested and thrown in jail. You know, that's, 
That's a pretty good motivating factor for not stealing something. But what if there's a more perfect way? What if one chose not to steal something or to wrong someone else, not because they feared the consequences of arrest or jail, but rather because they saw the humanity of that other person and couldn't possibly wrong them out of a compassionate love for them? Just like this, in our faith lives, there is a more perfect fear. You know, instead of fearing the consequences of our sin, of separating ourselves from God, what if we feared sin itself? We feared being separate from God. And we can only fear being separated from God out of an unending, undying love for God. Because we know God. Because we love God. Because God pours Himself out into us. You know, rather than fearing the consequences of our sin, we are meant for the more perfect fear of sin itself. You know, if, if, if sin is separation from God, then the fear of sin is the fear of being separated from God, who is the source of everything, right? Our, our life, our breath, our, all grace and mercy and forgiveness. It is the more perfect fear that recognizes that we, in our human condition, are much closer to the abyss of sin and death than we are to the glory of God. And so it seeks to flee from that sin and death out of a need and a love for God. The fear of the Lord perfected in us is really an unending, undying love for God. As Jesus' followers journeying toward God in hope, you know, we, we recognize we haven't yet reached the goal. And that we are prone to sin. We are prone to falling short. So we dwell in a state of fear of that sin born out of a love for God. This is the nature of the fear of the Lord. So why the theology lesson? You know, why all the, the technicalities? What could any of this have to do with our daily, practical, lived experience? I would say that the fear of the Lord has everything to do with our practical, daily, lived experience. The fear of the Lord, first of all, recognizes who God is. It, it recognizes that, that God is, is the one who made us. God is the one who gives us all things. And it recognizes who we are and our distance from God in our brokenness. And it takes sin seriously. But it also takes seriously the love, the mercy, the forgiveness, the redemption that God has for us in and through Jesus. You know, the truth is we live in a world that in so many ways, so many ways, does not recognize God. A world that has no concept of sin. A world in which people do not know who they really are. And, and so live their lives in fear. A world in which people don't know of the love and mercy and redemption and forgiveness of Jesus. I've, I've been thinking about that recently and in leading up to our election here, you know, coming up real soon. It's just fear. Fear. Fear of what's going to happen. Fear of the election process itself. Fear of what will happen after Fear of what will happen come January 20th when there's actually a regime change. Fear. 
I think about this and I think about the way the church reacts in, in the world, typically. And I think too often the church, as the church, we emphasize sin and judgment to the detriment of grace and mercy. And, and many have been scarred by this, right? Maybe you grew up in a tradition like this. But there's the flip side to that where grace and mercy has been so emphasized without the truth of sin and judgment. And this cheapens the meaning of Jesus' death and resurrection. It cheapens the grace that we are offered in Jesus Christ. Grace is, is, is grace. It's a, it's a gift given us. But we have a need for that grace. And that need comes from our broken state. The fear of the Lord holds it all together. You know, the whole gospel truth. You know, we can't just take parts of the gospel. It's the whole gospel. It's sin and grace. Acknowledging who we are, acknowledging our own brokenness, but also acknowledging that in Christ Jesus we are fully redeemed. We are fully made new. And I think we have to be careful in the church not to think that what we've been describing is kind of an us and them kind of situation. That those problems exist out there. That it is only those on the outside that allow fear to overtake them, who neglect the truth of the gospel, and who separate themselves from God. You know, we know better. You know, this is, this is a human condition. It exists within the church as well. And some of us may find, us, find ourselves in, in that exact same state, gripped with fear of what is going on in the world around us, paralyzed with the fear of suffering and failure and loss and disease or, or violence or, or the political landscape. I, I, I remember several years ago, I was, I was at a conference, and it was a conference with, with a bunch of pastors. And in the middle of this conference, everybody's phones were just going off, just dinging. Like all the, all the social media accounts, they were just dinging. All the notifications dinging. And it, it, was, it was about the stock market. And the stock market was just taking a, just a tank. It was just tanking. And in the middle of this conference, it was almost like everything stopped. You had all these pastors who were just grumbling in fear, right? They were, they were just like, oh no, my, my retirement, my 401k, what's going what's gonna to happen? It was just fear that was overtaking. You know, fear of the loss of security. Fear of the loss of safety. It exists within the church as well. Sin is real. It seems like an obvious statement. We need to take it seriously. And to reflect hope in a broken world, I think we have to start with ourselves. The starting place for gaining wisdom in the image of God is the fear of the Lord. So once we, once we grasp that, we have to then proclaim to the world with our mouth and our lives who God is and who we are as, as, as human beings are under the, the lordship of Jesus to proclaim that sin is real and that we are all so much closer to the abyss of sin and death than we are to the glory of God. But it is by God's grace, the gift He has given us in His hope, the fear of the Lord, most importantly, motivates us to proclaim with our lives the grace and mercy and forgiveness and redemption that is central to His covenant promise. 
The gift that God offers all of us through Jesus Christ is a gift of unending love for us and for all of creation. You know, next month, we're, next week, we're actually going to start a new sermon series. It's called Thankful. We're just celebrating how thankful we are for all of God's work, what all, all of what God is doing, for God's provision, for God's providence, for, for His grace and mercy uh, throughout this year, but also being thankful for what lies ahead. You know, friends, we have a reason to have hope. Not just in our ultimate hope in Jesus Christ, but the hopes that we have as a people, as a church, as individuals are tied to that ultimate hope. So if God's about restoration, if God's about redemption, He can redeem 2020. And He can use us to help redeem 2020 as well. So that's what we're hopeful for. That we can move forward as as a church family. That we can move forward as individuals in our growth, in our knowledge and love of God. I'm excited for that. But I think, you know, friends, it, it has to start with us looking at ourselves and acknowledging our state before God also acknowledging his great love and mercy for all of us. We, we can attain that through the knowledge of the fear of the Lord. My, my prayer is that we would be a people who, who know fully the fear of the Lord, who love God fully. Amen. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks. We give you praise. Uh, we offer ourselves to you And pray, God, that you would use us. I pray, God, that you would strip away those fears that that separate us, those fears that can overtake us, the fears of of looming uh, issues or problems, the the fears that that just continually grab at us. God, help us to throw those aside. Help us to trust in you. Help us, God, to be perfected in our love for you and for other people. But God, do your work, have your way, make yourself known, make us new. All of this we pray in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen and amen. give life. You are love. You bring light into the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise we pour out our praise it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise to you you give life you are love Restore every heart that
Your breath. 